Hi everyone, welcome back to Invested, where we talk about wealth as being more than just money. Our partners Paul Rand, Joel Rand, and Sarah Minikari will bring in guests and industry thought leaders to chat about meaningful topics on personal finances, health and wellness, ideas for your business, tax planning, and other key issues that impact our lives and our livelihood. So thank you for joining us, and we hope you find our discussions not only practical and educational, but maybe sometimes a little thought-provoking. With that, let's get to the episode. Today on Invested, we are very fortunate to have joining us Nancy Sim, who is the Director of Long-Term Care and Longevity Planning for Highland Capital Brokerage. Nancy has worked in the insurance industry for more than 27 years and has been specializing in long-term care for the past 20 years. She is a licensed life and health agent in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New York, and she has earned the designations of Certified Long-Term Care Specialist, Long-Term Care Professional, and Certified Senior Advisor. Adding to her insight into the industry, Nancy also has past experience as an aide in Massachusetts nursing homes. She is on the boards of several industry associations and a member of both the Financial Planning Association as well as the American Association for Long-Term Care Insurance. She is a certified instructor for long-term care continuing education classes and has been a featured speaker on long-term care insurance throughout New England. So with that, let's get to our discussion about long-term care with Nancy Sim. So here we are. Welcome back to Invested. And joining us is Nancy Sim. Nancy, thank you so much for, for joining us and getting ready to talk about long-term care. Thanks for having me on today. <laughs> um, so we went through your background quite a bit in, in the original intro, um, but we did want to start with just some general conversation and talk about long-term care coverage and how long-term care insurance compares to regular insurance and, and maybe with Medicare. So can you kind of give us the difference? Like what about long-term care insurance and how is that different from traditional insurance? Okay. So um, traditional insurance, um, your, your regular insurance, you've really got life insurance for when you die. You've got your regular health insurance, which is your, you know, visits to the hospital, visits to your doctor, things like that. Um, long-term care insurance is, going to cover those needs you might have as you age, or sometimes, unfortunately, when something happens earlier in life that your regular insurance doesn't cover. So we're talking about needing help with what we call the activities of daily living. Um, for those not familiar with that, those, that terminology, it is really everything you did this morning, probably before you got listening to this. So you got out of bed, you went into the bathroom, you took a shower, you got dressed, you had something to eat, those are what we call our activities of daily living. When you need help with them, that's when it's a long-term care need. So it's not necessarily a real um, health issue per se. It's how it affects your body and what you can do independently. And it also includes things like you know, severe cognitive impairments, the dementias, the Alzheimer's. Um, so long-term care insurance is going to provide dollars to help pay for the care services you need. Exactly. And we like our acronyms in this industry. So we often call those ADLs. So if you hear one yeah. of us slip up and call it, say, the, the six ADLs. And, and what are they, the, the six ADLs? Sure. Bathing, eating, dressing, toileting, continence, and transferring. Okay. And by transferring? I was going to say, that's the one sometimes <laughs> people don't understand. Um, getting your body from one place to another. So getting out of bed standing up, getting out of a chair, those kind of transferring your body from one spot to another. Okay. All right. Great. Um, and 
So does that mean you have to, you're going to need that permanently or is that, does this qualify in a temporary setting as well? Great question. Um, it can be either. So it could be something that, um, you know, you have a bad stroke or you have some disease that kind of gets out of control, um, diabetes with a lot of complications, some severe osteoarthritis, things like that. Well, you're going to, because it's become degenerative, yeah. um, you're going to need the care for the rest of your life. Yeah. Other things, it could be that you're going to recover from. So you need the care for six months or a year. Um, a small stroke that you could recover from, a car accident, or you know, people putting lights up on the house at the holidays and fall off the roof. We have all kinds of different uh, scenarios, but it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. It definitely can be something you can recover from. So Nancy, who has to validate the inability to do two out of the six ADLs? Is it an honor system like, hey, insurance company, you know, I can't do two of these things, or does it always have to be validated by a medical source? As you might expect, the insurance companies aren't quite that willing to just say, <laughs> we believe you. <laughs> um, there does have to be some validation, but typically it is um, your own doctor, right? If you have something like this happen, you're seeing your doctor. Um, so it could be, you know, if you don't happen to have a doctor, but you had some, you know, a car accident or something, you went to the hospital, there's some medical professional who's going to be like, yes, this is what's going on with this person. Mm -hmm. They talk to the medical professionals. Um, they talk to your family and yourself and they get a, a clear idea. And then going back to the insurance part of it and Hey, I'm, you know, yes, I know those kinds of things can happen, but I have my insurance. I have, I'm, or maybe I'm on Medicare. Doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't that cover this stuff? Thank you. And I know, I know Paul, you'd mentioned Medicare in the beginning. So thanks for bringing me back there. Um, Medicare, if you look at the Medicare.gov site, it says right on there, Medicare does not pay for long-term care. <laughs> if it's that's pretty obvious, right? That's yeah. pretty right, right flat out there. Which is, um, I mean, because it's important because the stuff that you mentioned, that's not uncommon, right? So, I mean, th those, like even getting into a car accident or falling and, and breaking a hip or any of those things. Right, right. So there is a tiny bit of coverage that's possible through Medicare. Um, so at the, I guess, best case scenario of somebody else paying, Mm -hmm. um, Medicare can pay the first 20 days of a care need. It's a copay for the next 80 days. The maximum lot of Medicare ever is 100 days. On general, I think they say this average is about 25 days that they pay, if they pay at all. So there's a ton of scenarios where they don't pay at all because one of the caveats for Medicare to pay is that you have to have been in the hospital uh, the guide says three days, but they don't tell you. They don't count the day they discharge you. There's all kinds of little you know, missing language in there. So you have to be in the hospital at least four days and in a room, not under observation, not in the emergency room for them to count it. If you don't have that, they pay zero. So a lot of scenarios, chronic things, like things that would definitely be a long-term care need like um, Parkinson's, MS, dementias, um, you're definitely going to have a need. They definitely chronically get worse, but you don't have to go to the hospital first. So then Medicare will never pay. Oh, okay. All right. And, and typically, when do you see, hey, okay, I, I'm, I'm interested in long-term care, but when should I get it? Or when does this, when does it normally used? Okay. So when you should get it, um, the actuaries in the, in the industry <laughs> say the perfect age is 52. Mm. 
I don't know. Um, <laughs> that I'm guessing that is true based on um, dollar value and everything else. Because it's cheaper. It's cheaper to get when you're younger. And it's always cheaper to get when you're younger. younger right. um, also, because typically we're healthiest younger. Occasionally, you'll get somebody who's had some health scares and then they finally get healthy. But typically, you know, the health is best when we're younger. So it's going to be always cheaper sooner. I tell everyone because we can't go back. So if you pass 52, don't say too bad. I missed it. Um, <laughs> whatever age you are now, if you are thinking mm -hmm. about it for some reason, it is the right time to look into it. You may decide it's not for you. You may decide to wait. But if you have any questions because things are happening in your family or you saw something happen to a friend, look into it now. Do you have statistics on how, because, you know, we certainly, we have clients of all ages and we have some, uh, when younger clients come to us and we go through their family history and we find out they have older parents. And one of our questions is, do you know if they have a long-term care policy? Um, because as, as you know, families aren't always great about talking about finance stuff. Hmm. <laughs> but do you, do you have uh, statistics on how many people do have long-term care? coverage um we know it's a minority still yeah uh, i would say i would say we don't really have a good idea because unfortunately a lot of people when you ask if they have long-term care coverage they say yes yeah they don't but they think their health coverage co covers it right. or they think medicare right. covers it so the answers aren't really um all that great uh when it comes to that it is far fewer people than should um i mean the really general statistic out there is that as long as we reach age 65, and that simply means you don't die early, 70% um, of us all have a chance of needing long-term care. So that's most of us are going to need it. Yeah. I think actual, you know, in-force long-term care currently is probably around 20% at best. Yeah. yeah, and which, you know, when we go through that, and we always like to say, whenever we talk about any insurance or protection planning, yeah. it's, Look, insurance is a hedge against some risk. All insurance is a hedge against some risk, right? So life insurance is a hedge against you dying at a particular time. And so long-term care coverage is no is no different. That's a hedge against the risk that either, hey, I don't have enough money to pay for this need, or B, I have a financial plan and I don't want the cost of long-term care to, to blow up some other part of my plan, right? Either my spouse's stuff or the stuff I'm planning for my kids. And, and there's kind of a mismatch between the number of people that have long-term care and the number of people that are probably going to need long-term care coverage. And if you compare it to uh, like um, home, homeowner's insurance, like well, how many people have homeowner's insurance versus how many people actually need homeowners? What's, what's the probability? And there's a, it's an inverse uh, numbers when you go to look at long-term care. Entirely right. And, you know, part of that is because it's mandated, right? At least out yeah. here, you know, auto, you have to have your auto insurance. Yeah. We're supposed to have to have your auto insurance, your homeowner's insurance. Um, it, you know, people hope, I think it's just a hope against hope that they're not going to have a long-term care need, but we know from the statistics that that's not going to be true for the majority of us. But you're 100% right. I mean, insurance is always insuring against the unknown and what is more unknown than our health in the future. Right? We have no crystal ball. We have no idea what that's going to be for us. Um, and so really the goal of having long-term care insurance is to um, minimize the effect on the retirement plan, on the assets, you know, making sure everything else works like it's supposed to. Yeah. So Nancy, for those that are looking to hedge against that risk, what are some ways that they can get protection? 
Sure. So there's really, um, it's no longer a one trick pony, so to speak. And, you know, 20 years ago, we had long-term care insurance and long-term care insurance was what we now today call either traditional or standalone coverage. Um, that type of insurance still exists today, but that was the sort of what we now consider old fashioned plans of it's for long-term care. It has no cash value. It has no death benefit. It's only for long-term care. Kind of use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. Yeah. Like your auto insurance. It's yeah. only going to, it's only going to pay if you have this need. And while we know the statistic is high, if you don't have the need, you don't get anything back for it, right? The insurance company keeps it because that's insurance and they help pay for somebody else. Yeah. In today's world, we have another uh, a variety of other products. They kind of all come under the, I suppose, broad heading of hybrid, but that means different things to different people. For me, a hybrid, of course, is anything that involves long-term care insurance plus some other benefit. So we have plans that we more specifically would call linked benefit plans, strong on the long-term care benefits with a smaller death benefit, a lot of guarantees, truly for the person who still wants long-term care coverage, but wants to make sure somebody gets money back. Mm-hmm. You know? And then we have just life insurance policies with either a long-term care or a chronic illness rider. Um, not as strong unless it's a higher death benefit on the long-term care benefits, but um, more like a, a definite hedge. You know, I, I have this life insurance need and I wouldn't mind if it worked for two different things. So I'm going to add this other rider in case that happens. Mm -hmm. So a lot of different options today, and it's really fun to kind of find the proper puzzle fit for each client because everybody's needs are different. Right. I mean, and we have clients, quite frankly, that um, may have enough assets that they can afford to self-insure, right? Pay for it themselves. And we've we've run scenarios where, hey, a lifetime life long-term care event happens. What is the impact here along to your financial care? In which case we can say to them, look, this doesn't necessarily make sense for you. That being said, we have clients that have plenty of assets to be able to pay for their long-term care event, but still want the coverage because maybe they saw the impact of their parents going through that and they didn't like the writing of the checks or they you know have these assets and they said yes but i don't want to use my my children's inheritance to pay for my care so i'm i would feel much better if there was a policy that covered covered that cost yeah there's there's definitely people who can self-fund um yep. i think the question is always what is that level because you could be average and just need, you know, half a million dollars right. to a million dollars, or you could get Alzheimer's and need care for 12 years. That's going to be a significantly different number. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and there's the concerns too always of, you know, where's the money coming from? Are you paying taxes? Are you losing out on the market? Are you having to sell in a down market on a second house? You know, so there's additional things to take into account for the self-funding aspects. But for people with enough money, but like you said, there's still people who are going to want the coverage because why not use somebody else's money? Why am I paying myself when I can pay $1 and they're going to give me 10? <laughs> that makes more financial sense. So Paul's um, parents and my parents both have policies, but my parents had the use it or lose it traditional yeah. policy. Paul's parents are... Um, more complex and amazing and have hybrid policies. Um, you know, no product is better or worse than the well, other. They're certainly more complex. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, and hey, I think from, from a funding standpoint, you know, they probably could, you know, both self-insure for my, for my family, um, you know, 
parents were raised in a very cost conscious environment. And to your point, exactly spending someone else's money feels a lot better. Um, and there was a scenario where, um, you know, we had a family member in long-term care and because we had the policy gave that person confidence and, um, no guilt in getting additional care in the home because the insurance company was paying for it. But if we didn't have a long-term care policy, although they could afford it, I can assure you, we wouldn't have had that care. Yeah. And, and that's a great point, Sarah. So I'll, I'll uh, tie to a, a little self story here too. Uh, sometimes it is peace of mind also, yeah. right? People have plenty Absolutely. of money, but it just, it's something they don't no longer have to think about and worry about what happens in the future, which is a really nice thing to get rid of. Um, when you're talking about, you know, having coverage or not, one of my first jobs, I worked in a nursing home as a nurse's aide. And we had a woman in there who was very wealthy or her family now was very wealthy. Let me put it that way, because everything in the next town where she came from was that family's name. The sad part was she didn't have, she didn't have a policy because they didn't need it. Um, they put her into a nursing home because she needed help and put her on Medicaid, basically spent down to make her artificially poor. The family kept all the money because they wanted it. And unfortunately, nobody ever came to see her. It's mm. terrible. Which I think it's a horrible story. Terrible. Uh, but sometimes having a policy is just making sure I get the care I want. Families mm -hmm. with a lot of money, the kids know there's a lot of money too. Yeah. And you want to make sure you get the care you want. And let me just say one other quick thing about the self-funding, just because I know it's a topic in California right now. Um, Washington State last year had their long-term care cares Washington Cares Act, where for people without long-term care insurance, there was for any W-2 employees an income tax. Mm -hmm. And California right now has a task force looking at it that's supposed to give recommendations for something maybe similar at the end of the year. So for people who have a lot of money and maybe could self-fund, they may still want to consider something because otherwise, if they're still working, they might have a big old tax as well. You know, and I, I know we haven't got into the, gotten into the, the cost of long-term care, which I think is an important topic. But, um, and when we went through and looked at the, the policy for my dad, um, it was, okay, well, do we need this or don't we need this? And, you know, one of the things, what they decided to do is sort of split the difference. And I think that's an important thing too, is that this has, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. Like if we yeah. model a long-term care event and we take, you know, particularly in New York and California and Hawaii, the most expensive long-term care states, you know, that there are. Um, and you take, all right, well, what's the average monthly amount? You take that times the average stay or average need for long-term care over that period of time. And you get this very large number, mm -hmm. but you don't have to cover every single dollar of that, right? You can, again, hedge your risk and and partially cover that. And, and that's a perfect, perfect um you know, set thing to say really, Paul, because typically we're not looking at covering the whole thing, right? We kind of target in on what do people want? We don't know what they're going to need. But, you know, home care and assisted living care usually costs significantly less than a nursing home. We want to make sure to cover those kinds of care because most people say I'd like to stay out of the nursing home if I can, um, stay age in place, stay in my home. Um, but the thing, part of the planning, because it's all really about planning, right? So part of the planning is, I don't need to cover the whole nugget, like you said. Um, if I have income, 
or some assets I don't mind spending down, I can supplement it and therefore buy less coverage. People tend to like that because nobody yeah. wants to be insurance rich. It's not very exciting. Right. Um, they want to live their lives, have their fun. They want some kind of plan, but as long as they've figured out the numbers, doing something partially is great. Yeah. Um, and then you went through, let's, I guess, let's jump into the costs of long-term care. And I, you know, we do have clients all over the country and, but most of them do tend to be concentrated in the most expensive long-term care areas that there are. But um, what are some of the statistics that you have about the cost that, of long-term care? Okay. So it does vary pretty widely. Like you said, Hawaii, the most, or no, Alaska is the most expensive. Actually. Oh, okay. Probably oh. because there's not that many people yeah. in the places that you can get. That makes there. sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hawaii, some of the big cities and stuff. I know New York, I mean, you're talking again, depending on what kind of care, but you're talking 12,000 a month, 15,000 a month, nice places, even around here, you're still talking that cost, but you can go to other States and the cost of care on average is 5,000, 7,000 a month. It varies widely. So that's always part of the question we have when trying to make recommendations for clients is, you know, where do you live now? And are you going to stay there? Or do you have a second home or you're planning to move in retirement anyway? Let's target the costs of care where you're likely to be when you need the care. Yeah. But let's pretend we're purchasing just a traditional long-term care policy or really any long-term care policy. What, is, what does the policy generally pay for? Oh, great question. Right. Because when we're saying long-term care, everybody's like, oh, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I, I can't do two of the six ADLs. Yep. I paid all this premium. What am I getting from the insurance yeah. company? Yeah. So all the policies today for any of the types, so this is the traditional, the hybrid, the linked, they're all comprehensive plans and you want a comprehensive plan. Um, comprehensive plans cover home health care. They cover community care. In today's world, community care really is just adult daycare, um, but there might be other things in the future. Um, assisted living care and nursing home care. So no matter really where you need care, whatever type it is, however much it is, where you get it, the policies will pay. Now, when I say whatever the cost is or whatever type it is, um, you're buying a dollar amount, right? So let's just say cost of care is you know $12,000. I decide to buy a policy that'll fund $9,000. Then depending on which type of policy you get, there's some that are reimbursement, and there's some that are cash or indemnity. So a reimbursement policy will pay your actual costs up to, let's just use that number, 9,000 a month. The cash policies are going to give you 9,000 a month, regardless of what your actual cost so is. Scenario one, you present a receipt and get reimbursed. Yep. Scenario two, as long as you qualify, you're receiving the benefit. Correct. Correct. What I liked about mom's policy was that, you know, we had in-home in care, mm -hmm. um, but there were, we also were able to get some equipment installed that was covered by the insurance, which was fantastic. So we had, what did we have? We had like a handlebar in the shower. We had um, raised toilets, really just different things that made life a little bit easier, um, which I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see that was part of the benefit coverage for the policy. Right. A lot of policies have like they call home modifications, right. things that can help you stay at home, the grab bars, the ramps, you know, those various things. Um, if it's a reimbursement policy, you want to see that in the language. It's in most of them, I would say, well, today, uh, maybe not some really old policies. 
Um, and the cash benefits, it doesn't matter because they give you cash and you use it for whatever you want anyway. But yeah, those things that help you age in place and help people make life easier. Yeah. And that, I think that's a super important point too, because there are certainly, uh, and we talked about who does and doesn't have long-term care policies in place now, but even those that do have long-term care policies, maybe they haven't looked at them in a while, or maybe they didn't, didn't weren't properly educated on what they were actually getting when they got it or, you know, what have you. So when, like we recently did a review of uh, new clients with a that had a long-term care policy and we went through and we said, okay, you know, just so you know, this is the price you're paying and this is what you get. So you have to go through what's the elimination period? What's, does it cover home improvements? Is it indemnity or reimbursement? Can is there you, international, international coverage? Is there international coverage or, you know, um, and we've talked about this before, but does it have to, does that money have to be used to pay for a licensed healthcare professional or can you pay a relative or your spouse or your daughter or, you know, some, you know, some other person or a friend to come take care of you? Or is inflation, inflation on the benefit too? I mean, that's a big factor. Right. In in most cases, we're always going to be recommending inflation. It depends on the person's age. Um, But typically you're going to be looking at that because we know the cost of care don't stay stagnant. <laughs> they're, they're always going up. Yeah. So um, it is good for the majority of folks to have some kind of inflationary feature. And to Paul's point on that, you know, who can you use? Um, it does typically differentiate again between the reimbursement in the cash indemnity plans. The reimbursements almost always are saying you have to have a licensed from a, somebody from a licensed home health care agency or somebody independently. Mm-hmm. And the cash plans don't care. So you can use them to pay a spouse or a family member. Um, I, the way I always put it is I don't see that being quite as valuable on the cash policies because there can be a lot of stress when family tries to do caregiving, um, what in between the family members and it it doesn't end up being a pretty sight. Um, but what I like about the folks looking for cash is I don't think today we have any idea of the types of home care that will be available in the future, right? There's so many changes to medical and, and improvements and things that, you know, if you're looking out even 10 years, 10, 20, 30 years, depending on the age of your clients, um, I think there's going to be a whole lot of different things available. And with cash, you just pay for them with reimbursement. You'd have to see if they were available through the contract. Well, so there's a lot of good language still in the reimbursement ones. Nancy, what, what does the application process look like? Is it is it um, like getting a mortgage where you got to, you know, give everything on your blood type or <laughs> walk us through what an application process looks like? Sure. So it's going to, again, vary. Every one of my answers says it varies, right? It's going to vary between the type of product. So okay. with the traditional policies, like your folks have, Sarah, um, they're going to do an application. They're going to get the medical records from their doctor, the primary care physician. Let us look at the records. Let me see if this person's healthy enough to offer coverage to. There's often either then a phone interview or an in-person interview, depending on age. And some of that is cognitive based, okay, to make sure eligible. On the life insurance with a rider, it primarily is the life insurance underwriting, which again, is still going to be, you're going to have maybe a little mini exam. You're going, they're going to get your records. They're going to look at the life side first and then make sure the rider still fits. Mm-hmm. And then on the linked benefit type of plans, um, those are the ones with all the guarantees and it's usually a, a shorter pay in period. Um, they primarily are all just a phone interview. So there is no exam and they don't get your doctor's records. 
They will do a phone interview that might take half hour, 45 minutes, longer if you have a lot of health issues, <laughs> however long it takes to get through it all. Um, they're going to ask all the health questions on the phone. They will know a little bit because they do a prescription pre-screen. So they know what medications you're on. They know some things. Um, so you can't totally, you know, just <laughs> get past the system there. Right. But, um, it's primarily. They're going to keep you honest. <laughs> yeah. They try to keep you honest. <laughs> yeah. Are you know, there any, sorry, Paul, are, are there any preconditions, preexisting conditions that are auto disqualifiers? Yeah. Yeah. Real good question. And I would say that we always, always, always ask people to pre-qualify. Even if you think people are healthy, you know, give us, get there. What medications are you on? What mm -hmm. surgeries, what things you follow for? Because people will say they're absolutely healthy. And then the application will come in with 10 different medications for things because they're healthy as far as they're concerned. Cause the doctor said you're doing good, <laughs> which is not the same as being healthy. Right. Um, <laughs> so there's are, there are a number of things that can kick people out from being um, eligible for coverage. And again, this can vary by carrier and product type as well. So the more we know we can help uh, focus people in on what fits, but as you might expect, any of the chronic degenerative diseases, if you already have them, we can't get coverage. So you already have some dementia issues, early onset Alzheimer's. You've got MS, you've got Parkinson's, you've got ALS. You know, we all know those are chronic degenerative things that aren't going to look good in the future. If you already have a diagnosis, even if you're okay right now, you're not going to be able to get the coverage. The things that surprise people are, I think most people are used to the life insurance side of things, right? Um, I probably can't get long-term care because I had cancer a few years ago or I had a heart attack. In the long-term care world, because we're looking at morbidity, not mortality. So it's not that I'm going to die early. It's that I am going to live mm. and I'm going to need care yeah. as I live, right? So the things that, you know, diabetes with complications, um, cancer and heart attack are fine as long as a few years ago and you recovered in general. Um, build. You know the old adage, you can never be too rich or too thin? You can be too thin for long-term care. I've only had it happen three times in probably 20 years. Um, but you can be too thin because they're worried about falling in brittle bones. Right. Okay. Um, unlike life insurance or disability where they might say, we're going to do a, you know, we're going to say, if you have a neck thing, we won't pay mm -hmm. um, on long-term care. You have to fit in every aspect or they can't offer you coverage. Well, I want to thank you for um, allowing me my Sunday donuts so that now I can qualify for long-term care so that I'm not too thin. <laughs> You're not too thin. <laughs> I can justify that. I'm, I'm doing this for my long-term care. There you go. See, that's the answer. Everybody Thanks wants a lot, to Nancy. <laughs> thank you. I can qualify. I can qualify. Uh, I'm so, sure we have as many, not as many people have that concern after COVID, I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> So in talking about the traditional and some of the hybrid policies, one of the things that we've come across with people that uh, are new clients that have existing policies and we do a review of their existing policies and maybe they have the traditional long-term care. And as you said, those are tend to be the older policies and there are even some uh, financial institutions, which will go unnamed for this podcast, but maybe used to be really big in that part of the industry and now are no longer um, or hey, they're staying in that part, they're staying with their long-term care policies, but they're going to keep increasing their premiums for, which can happen, right? With some of the, the traditional type of long-term care, it's not a guaranteed 
price of co uh, cost of coverage, right? Or versus some of the other policies do. Can you explain the difference in those? Sure. So um, yes, so any of the traditional policies, they're never a guaranteed premium. Okay. Um, the What we've seen a lot, like you're saying, with enforced policies, and a lot of people are seeing rate increases on there, it goes by state. So it yep. can vary a lot because the state insurance departments have to approve the increases. But um, they always could increase, right? They were, they're the lowest cost type of policy available, and therefore they're not guaranteed. That's why some of these other types of products came out, hybrids and linked benefits that are guaranteed because people weren't liking the fact that the premium could go up. Um, some people still buy the traditional because, yes, it could go up, but it's still cheaper than anything else. So you know, Guaranteed renewable. Meaning that renewable, as long as you pay, right? Yeah, as long as you pay, the company can't say you don't have the coverage anymore. But not right? guaranteed premium. Exactly. <laughs> so you got to clarify the words, right? Um, but but as you were saying, Paul, with the reviews, um, a lot of people ask for a review because they've had a rate increase, right? And we yeah. can show them and tell them that it's still vastly better than anything they could get in today's market. Now, if they're still healthy and they have the funds. Some people are reducing the traditional plan. They want to keep something, right? Don't give it to something you've paid for for years, but maybe reduce it down and then supplement it with one of these other type of plans that is guaranteed, both in premium and in the payout. So we see a little bit of everything. What about people that have, maybe they don't have long-term care coverage, but they have other uh, types of policies that maybe they purchased a long time ago. Can they use those kinds of policies or is there something they can do with those to, to help pay for or use coverage in long-term care? Yeah, so um, a lot of folks have existing life insurance, right? And they bought it years ago for, you know, either to make sure if something happened to one of the spouses when they were young and raising kids that the education would be taken care of or to make sure the home was going to be paid off or whatever the scenario was. Um, and they kept cash value life insurance. Plans and they've kept them, and whether they're paying or not, they've just held on to them because they don't know what else to do with them. <laughs> so, a lot of times in policy reviews, again, you could take a look at those. And if they don't have that need anymore, the kids are grown up, the house is paid for, their assets have increased, they don't really need that death benefit any longer. You can take the cash value and do a tax free exchange, a 1035 exchange, into one of these hybrid types, the life with the long term care. Mm -hmm. or life of the rider because they're life insurance based still so you do a tax-free exchange and help fund it and sometimes that's all you need you don't need extra money you could totally fund the policy based on the money coming over nancy when we were chatting before our podcast today you mentioned uh the silver tsunami and solo agers yes. can you share with us um about these groups and how it relates to long-term care I was fascinated by uh, the categories. <laughs> right. it, it, well, and that kind of broadly comes under the category of who needs these policies. Right. Yeah, it does. It's some of the newer, I guess, terminology that we're hearing a lot in this longevity marketplace. Um, and I'll give you a little specifics on both. So the, the reason these terms are coming up is because it should, should be a concern, right, for the folks. Silver Tsunami is... I like that one for the alliteration, you know, the graying of America, the aging of America. So the tsunami sounds cool and you get this big picture of this wave. And it is that. How many people are going to age up in America? Or I thought it was like a time lapse of my hair just going gray. That's <laughs> not a nice wave. You only got tiny silver in there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there. that's a silver tornado, Paul. That's not the Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so I'm going to read this for you so I don't get the statistic wrong. But so for the silver tsunami, 
age 65 plus, people age 65 plus in the U.S., are going to outnumber children by 2034. That's just 12 years away. Isn't that wild? Okay. Age 85 plus, because we're having this whole longevity trend, right? Everybody's living longer. Absolutely. Which can be great, especially if you're healthy. But age 85 plus is going to double by 2035 and triple by 2060. What that means is there's going to be a whole lot of old people. And maybe do we have enough people to help provide the care? You know, make sure you have some things in place. Make sure you're doing the planning um, because it's going to be a major concern for pretty much everybody. Um, the solo agers are probably a specific, uh, more of a specific group who I like to say really should be considering coverage of some type. And solo agers can be anybody who is either always single or becomes single. So whether it becomes widowed or, or divorced and maybe not even right now, maybe right now they're still married, but as they age up, they will become a solo ager. Um, and you could think maybe of clients who have a big age difference mm -hmm. in, in a couple or one's very healthy and one's quite unhealthy. Um, unfortunately, it's apt to be that that other person will be a solo ager. And why is that a concern? Simply because it's if you have somebody else to help take care of or to call people or do things, it's easier than being on your own, right? So solo agers, I think, really want to make sure that they have coverage because they don't have as many informal helpers typically. So there's also female, yeah. right? Women tend to outlive men. We've got the lot, that longevity factor. So yeah. again, I like to make sure that women have some sort of coverage. doesn't leave the men out because they women count for right now for two thirds of the claims, um, but men are still a third. So um, I think you really want to look at your own scenarios and figure out what fits. And I think, you know, you, you brought up a, a really good point in talking about the aging because people are living longer, right? And I, yes. and I know there are lots of statistics out there on the probability of once you get to a certain age, you're going to live to this age. And mm -hmm. then that, that increases the need for the pro or the, the probability of getting exactly. care. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Again, it'd be great to have that crystal ball and we'd all know exactly what we should do. Yeah. But, um, things change in life and could happen in, in a heartbeat, so to speak. Right. Nancy, thank you so much. We've taken up, I know, a ton of your time. You've been very, very generous with your time. We appreciate it. Um, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I love uh, talking about long-term care, so anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a ton of stuff that we, I know we talked about, of topics to talk about, and we, there's a whole bunch that we did not get into. So I guess maybe we'll have to have you back for a, for a round two to go into more, more depth. Sounds great. All right. <laughs> thanks, Nancy. Thanks. Have a great day. So that's our episode for today. Thank you for listening. If you found this topic interesting or useful, please let us know. Or if there are other topics you'd like us to address, let us know that too. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us and thanks for being invested. The RAND Group is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced 
referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. The Rand Group and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for the statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. The Rand Group and Hightower Advisors LLC assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the author and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.